welcome to the Victorian Aboriginal News Referendum 23 Tapes podcast. I'm your host, Charles Parkiner. Victorian Aboriginal News acknowledges and pays respect to traditional owners and custodians across Australia. We acknowledge the elders who have gone before, those who currently lead their communities and those who will follow in years and generations to come. While many Australians strive to understand just how a voice to parliament will work, a significant number of local governments across the country have for many years been maintaining their own First Nations voice to government in the form of advisory committees. In one of the most significant local government areas in New South Wales, the city of Newcastle has been guided by First Nations voices for several decades in the form of the Gurukai Aboriginal Advisory Committee. Joining us to talk about this is the Advisory Committee's Chairperson, Waramai Man, Luke Russell. Luke, welcome to the program. Thank you, Charles. It's good to be here, brother. Luke, in very simple terms, in layman's terms even, what's the purpose of the Gurukai Advisory Committee? Basically, it's to provide guidance and advice to City of Newcastle Council on all local Aboriginal issues. Now, there are a number of, as I've mentioned, similar advisory committees right across Australia. And Gurukai, though, is quite different in that it's got a strong focus on stakeholders from key organisations. You've got local Aboriginal land councils, the University of Newcastle, and even Aboriginal Affairs New South Wales. That's a fairly hefty line-up. Does that also indicate just how deep some of these conversations are with council? I think the aim more so was it to have a fairer and you know good representation from across the community. So by having some major stakeholders combined with community members, we just wanted to make sure that the majority, you know, and hopefully all of the community is actually getting their voice heard by the council. The committee has been going for well over 20 years, what are some of the landmark events or discussions that you believe have been achieved as a result of this relationship between the City of Newcastle and the Advisory Committee? Uh, A lot of it is to do with the education about our mobs, our people, where we come from, because it's well known that Newcastle is the second oldest city not to get in that whole settlement debate, but the Mm. second oldest city in the country. So colonially, there's a a big history there. Um, The biggest progression, you know, I see is the partnership and the willingness of the council, especially in the later years and more recent years of putting, I guess for lack of a better term, you know, a, a black face back on Newcastle again. Luke, what are some of the specific projects that you believe have been successful as a result of that relationship between the City of Newcastle and the Advisory Committee? You can put it under one big umbrella uh, of the promotion of our local culture, but one of the highlights for me was the dual naming project, where a few years ago now, Newcastle Council come in partnership with the Local mobs helping out as well to have eight place names dual named around the town. So now we have them recognised with their traditional name. And what were some of those places? Some of them are Newcastle's, I guess, more iconic places as well. So Wilbur which is Nobby's Headland. Dalwyn, which is where Fort Scratchley sits. Gundaran, which is where King of Park is. So we've got a fair few within 
the heart of Newcastle that now quite rightly have their traditional names added to it. Luke, obviously that's one of the most significant initiatives that's been undertaken by Council in achieving reconciliation. Let's get now, though, to the Uluru Statement from the Heart and, of course, the upcoming referendum. I believe there's been quite a deal of conversation between the Gurukai Aboriginal Advisory Committee and Council. When did all this start? Our first interaction with Council was a joint meeting that we had with equally some of the members from the from the Heart Uluru Statement mob who came down to give us their pitch and let us know what they were doing and how we felt about it, how it sat with us. And then from that point, our obviously our discussions continued and from there we've had, you know, the elected part of Newcastle Council unanimously back the Uluru Statement from the Heart with support and then from there... We've had a number of community groups in alignment with and a partnership with Trades Hall who have then organised and formed the Newcastle from the Heart Committee to then push this yes vote and the information around it forward. I imagine there would have been some challenges in the endorsement or support of the Uluru Statement. What were some of those challenges and how were they addressed from the advisory committee in reassuring and working with council? Like everywhere, people have their concerns and especially the concerns from mob around how the council will operate. Obviously, a lot of the mainstream issues that are popping up um, in other parts of the country about, you know, treaty, sovereignty. So how that was dealt with was that we put it to all members and then, you know, equally had spread it around the community. Um, it was part of the reason why we also looked to form a separate committee to push forward with this. So those who may have not been completely on board yet or those who want more information, um, you know, weren't forced into it. And that's why, you know, the Newcastle from the Heart Committee was then established. When you say there was a separate committee formed, was that a sub-working group of the Gurukai Aboriginal Advisory Committee or just a different organisation totally or different committee totally? No, a separate, different committee altogether. And is that because what we did was that we were contacted by, um, as I said, a number of different community groups by our local trades hall wanting to be involved mm. with the campaign and so what we thought was the best way to push forward that is to come up with and start a, a fresh committee so that would be inclusive of all members of the community who want to take part. When was that working group or committee founded? I believe now we've been together probably for about four or five months. And I would assume that this is actually a pro-yes campaign, as you're advocating for a yes vote in the referendum? Yes, yes, it is. And what are some of the key initiatives that you're implementing to achieve that result? How is your campaign being run? First of all, all we did was just started networking. You know, started to basically put the feelers out within the whole community to see about who would like to be involved, just starting to get organised and then equally waiting for the national campaign and the national launch to happen so then when we can take off uh, from there. And what are some of the main initiatives that you might be implementing uh, over the coming months? 
one of the you know the positive things for us you know from Newcastle is as we've mentioned the council support and you know the council have uh, organized a yarn up um, with all of community this coming Sunday the 26th so we'll have a number of different speakers you know giving their opinion interpretation on the referendum and then from there I know from the committee perspective is that you know we're looking to have a major launch as well as just to keep the community updated about the strategy going forward and equally too is to keep the word and the information about this on track because one of the things that we have noticed is a little bit of misinformation coming in and you know i think for me from a personal level is the fact that you know the constitutional recognition has sort of been pushed aside a bit with this talk you know debate questions about details mm. of how the voice would work from my understanding from those who make far greater decisions than me is that the details you know will be nutted out by those parties that are in power you know if the campaign gets across the line so the important part you know, i try to reiterate, reiterate to mob is that first and foremost the constitutional recognition is the important part and then the flow and effect from that would be the voice you mentioned in a pre-interview yarn we had yesterday luke that for you this was really important for the old folks for the ancestors just talk about that and tell us why that's so important to you. I look, I, I just think for me, and again, look, from a personal point of view, sure. is that from a, a family perspective, clean's perspective, my mom's perspective, is that recognition, the recognition first and foremost of our, our old people, you know, those ones that were here prior to settlement, definitely recognition of those who endured, suffered, lived through, the settlement period to get us where we are here today and you know even our recent mob who have done the hard yards and haven't lived long enough you know mm. to see what's on the table now and what's being proposed for them not to have a say when you know i know that the opinions of some of those older ones before they passed would be in support of what's being offered today Luke Russell, Chair of the Gurukai Aboriginal Advisory Committee, thanks very much for sparing some time and joining us on the Referendum 23 Tapes podcast. Not a problem, Charles. Thanks very much, brother. For a full transcript of this interview, visit the Victorian Aboriginal News website at vicaboriginalnews.com.au. Until our next episode, stay safe and stay informed.